and your supervisors can help to navigate both that personal and professional development. But also you need to ask and reach out because the nature of the system means people aren't always in tune to those sensitivities. Welcome to the Medical Production Podcast Headliner Series. I'm your host, Dr. Maida Raza, and I'm a GP, Communication Skills Tutor, and Training Program Director. We're joined today by Dr. Najib Rahman. Najib is an emergency medicine doctor in Leeds and a clinical and educational supervisor. And he will be sharing his experiences from having worked with multiple IMG colleagues in the emergency department in Leeds. This series is specifically for our international medical graduate members or IMG members that find themselves now working within the NHS. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the ways in which IMGs can ease their integration process into the NHS, but we'll also be discussing some wellbeing tips to ensure that they can flourish in their potentially demanding roles. So a big warm welcome to you today, Najib. Thank you for having me, Maida. An absolute pleasure. So, Najib, I understand that you have a wealth of experience um, working with IMGs and also training them. You're a clinical educational supervisor. And really, I wanted to begin today's podcast, um, but just recapping over some of our own experiences working and training our IMGs and talking about challenges that they've been exposed to with regards to integrating into the NHS I'm sure it's probably very difficult for them. They've landed into their first roles. Some of them may have no knowledge of working in the NHS. So I thought it might be helpful to spend a little bit of time breaking this down with them today. No, that sounds like a great idea. Great, yeah. So I imagine it's it's really difficult for IMGs. I mean, I can't imagine turning up to a job in a new country, maybe even in a new field, um, something that's really quite intense, demanding, with no formal induction process as of yet. I know there is a lot of work in the pipeline to formalise this, but nothing's been rolled out nationally just yet. But really, I wanted to ask you what your experience has been of this with regards to trainees and colleagues that you see. What are some of the common challenges that you sometimes see? No, you're absolutely right. I think induction and onboarding into any new environment can be a challenge for all of us. And that challenge is amplified if you're not from the UK, no matter what your cultural or medical educational background is. So I think one of those first things is when you do end up in the UK is, have you actually understood, it it might sound tedious, but what's the regulatory processes and procedures that we need to be familiar with, with the new employer and with that employing being the NHS? The NHS can be a very different organization to either the public healthcare systems or private healthcare systems that people might have come from. So I think one of the earliest things is to get to grips with what is the NHS as an entity and what are my kind of regulatory frameworks and um, that we need to kind of adapt to in terms of GMC registration, expectations around good medical practice. And then actually when you come into the hospital, how do you start to embed in as part of that employment. Although people use the word NHS, every hospital has its own flavor and culture. And so, you know, until you hit the ground, sometimes it's quite hard to know what those next steps might be. But that's probably one of the first things to get to grips with. What is the NHS and what is the GMC and what are my professional obligations as an employee yeah absolutely and I think as well if you like you said if you come from a country where healthcare is vastly different perhaps it's it's, you know more so privatized it's really tricky to get to grips with terms such as primary care secondary care what a patient journey looks like with regards to A&E GP attendances and where you fit in that with regards to the patient journey 
Um, I remember watching a video not so long ago by the King's Fund, and it sort of outlines quite nicely with some nice infographics. It's available on YouTube um, with regards to how the NHS works, what the structure's like, where the funding comes from, and where you fit in as a clinician as well. And I wonder if actually that might be helpful for some of our IMGs listening today to have, have a watch before their first job, just so they can see where they slot into something that's quite complex structural-wise, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, me personally as an established EM consultant struggle to navigate the process and the system. So, mm. you know, I think this is a, an ongoing journey for people in their careers anyway. So I think one of the, the challenges is how to begin to get to grips to navigate some of that system complexity. And this, I think, comes back to another observation for a lot of international medical graduates is that they might often feel quite isolated and not part of a team, um, you know, they don't quite know the system. So asking and feeling able to ask for advice and guidance of how does the process work in the place that they're working? Um, and what are the tips and tricks they can gain from other peers uh, to ease their transition? And that might be senior colleagues that have been there for a while. That actually might be another peer. For some international graduates, they, they know other people from their own cohort from where they might have trained um, abroad. So accessing peer support networks to identify the local cultural issues of where they're working can often be very powerful to try and ease that transition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you've picked up on something quite important there. It can sometimes be quite a lonely place as well, especially if you've um, come into the UK alone and perhaps you don't have that peer support network or you don't know anybody um, already from you know the network that you're joining into and you, you touched on again something else that's quite important is about asking and how to ask and where to go for support and advice and I, I always say to my trainees to make sure you have that initial supervisor meeting so you'll be allocated a clinical supervisor most people will be allocated an educational supervisor in addition to that it might be the same person it might be a different person but also highlighting the importance of that very first meeting for supervisors to pick up on any problems before they arise but also just to introduce themselves as a pillar of support so they do feel like they do have that almost scaffold really to fall back on. I think we generally don't exploit the supervisor role enough I think from yeah. an IMG perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I mean I've had a couple of my trainees in the past who have come you know I've had some that have come from Africa, some from Asia, and um, some from the Middle East as well. And all of them had slightly different experiences, but also some common themes. Yeah. Many of them did not get training roles in the first instance. Some of them did academic roles before transitioning into a clinical role. And I even had one who actually worked in the private sector first before coming into the NHS, and that was yeah. the private sector within the UK. Mm. So they came from an environment where they had no senior supervision mm. um, and then had come to the to a training post and had access to supervision yeah and they never quite knew how to deal with it and I I remember a phrase that one of these colleagues used at the end of their six months with us saying thank you for treating me like a human Aww. and it made me wonder well if normal practice of just supporting a trainee is considered treating someone as a human how awful must the experience have been for the previous two years or so and I remember we delved into this a bit further because uh, it it just it was quite triggering, I think, to hear that. And we explore that in a bit more depth. And the experiences that colleague had had was essentially not being able to speak up, didn't know who to get support from, felt very alien in their work environment and had no access to, to again, supervisor and navigation support to say, what should the next steps for their personal and professional development be? And I think that the other thing that came across very powerfully was 
they, they kind of gravitated the UK through opportunities, but probably didn't really understand why they were in the UK in terms of, you know, what is their core vision and goal? So did they really understand who they were and what their motivations were for being here? So they, they came here, there was a lot of culture shock, there was a lot of other barriers to professional and personal development, and all this then culminated in quite a, a difficult transition for you yeah. know, one or two years before they became, I guess, more of an effective and efficient and well-rounded colleague. So I know there's a lot to unpick in that in that narrative, mm. but I think recognizing that this is both a personal and professional development journey when coming from overseas, I think is really important. And your supervisors can help to navigate both that personal and professional development, mm. but also you need to ask and reach out because the nature of the system means people aren't always in tune to those sensitivities. Yeah, absolutely. Some really good points that you've hit on there as well. And it just it does make me think as well, if you're not used to a supervisor or knowing how to access a supervisor, the kinds of questions to ask, certainly um, if you've come from a country where they don't have a similar sort of super, supervisory um, role, if you like, that can be really difficult, like you said, to stick your head above the parapet and ask those questions. And it also it's quite a vulnerable place, actually, to step back and say, oh, I really don't know how to do this, but I'm not quite sure where to go for advice, support, who to ask. Um, and I guess to those of our IMGs listening today who can identify with this experience, it's probably really useful to point out um, that peers can be really helpful. So like you said, if you've come into a job perhaps in the private sector or even as a locum, and you don't have that assigned supervisor, this is where peer support can be really useful, specifically for those people who've been doing the job for a while, or perhaps if they've been trained in this country, they might have access to more avenues than you know the IMG might realise. So I guess this is where peer support is quite helpful. No, absolutely. And you know, to expand on that peer concept, often um, IMDs who, who come to the UK might already have a, in their mind the kind of specialty they're gravi- gravitating towards. So emergency medicine or primary care or maybe internal medicine. The relevant royal colleges and academic faculties often have trainee associations. And those trainee associations often have lots of details as well about how do you ease into jobs and the challenges that people might face. So one of the things I do recommend colleagues to have a look at is think about some of the uh, the professional associations that are out there that can actually help with that peer support. Um, they might have IMG groups already established that you can reach out to uh, to get further tips and tricks and advice. Absolutely, yeah. And um, you mentioned the GMC before as well, and they do have some information available on their website. And I know the MPS, we have an IMG hub where there's um, lots of interactive advice. There's also an advice line. We've got online pages as well. And the MPS do work with some partner companies as well who also provide IMG support, which is available online via courses as well. So I think it's putting that message out there about the support that's available, um, which sometimes can be quite hard to filter through, can't it? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, having that one-stop shop for all information, it would be great if we did. And I think there's groups, including the MPS, trying to put that together in some ways. And as you mentioned before, there's an IMG induction package that hopefully Health Education England will start rolling out eventually. So things are getting better. But I think we clearly need to learn from the challenges that colleagues have faced to make sure we don't assume that the the challenge is just over once these induction packs are, are produced. I think there will there will still be a time, uh, you know, transition time to try and make things better for international graduates and make sure they're effectively welcomed and allowed to thrive, as you said, within the organisations that they're working in. Absolutely, and I guess this involves um, fairly 
simple or what you might call simple logistical things. So we touched on knowing where to go for support earlier and even simple things um, such as recognising the hospital sites, mapping your journey to and from work in traffic, knowing who to go to if you're sick and you're unable to come into work. So these all might seem like quite simple things, but I imagine if you're in a new place, feels a bit alien, it probably can make that transition or integration that little bit easier. I don't think we give enough credit to those basic issues and the influence it has. So I, I worked overseas for a couple of years and I remember on that first week, I wasn't assigned to any clinical duties, which was very good of the team there because yeah. we had to get school sorted out, housing sorted out, money exchange sorted out, transport sorted out, uh, first supermarket shop sorted out. And in the middle of this, my son had an allergic reaction to a vaccine he was given and oh, we had to gosh. get that sorted out. And that was all in a new country that was completely alien to us. But I think if I hadn't had those basics um, you know, sorted, I think it would have been very, very difficult. I think we can refer back, uh, you know, uh, we've all heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways that bottom pyramid needs to be, uh, you know, addressed. And perhaps we don't give enough time for that to be addressed. But I think what you hit upon there, just making sure you've got the basics sorted is really important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's really easy to skip over the basics because you just assume it's something that everybody knows. But actually, till you sit down and drill down on them, it's quite interesting that, you know, most people don't know where the local water fountain is or the vending machine or what time the cafe closes. And if you're on call and you need a quick drink at three o'clock in the morning just to keep you going through that night shift, that can have real consequences to you as a person, your clinical work as well. So it's, it's I think it's more important than we realise, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is also where institutionally, I think we often don't consider those aspects and particularly the cultural nuances that might need to go with it. So, uh, you know, um, for me as 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 a Muslim, I'd often try and find halal options if I can. Yes. And, you know, hospitals are famously bad at producing halal options for food. Yes, So are. then it's try to know, well, which are your local takeaways that might yeah. be able to supply something at three in the morning? And so it's those kind of little things where peer support or a bit of local intelligence can be really helpful, or at least... For someone to be able to openly ask, do those options exist? And what do other colleagues try to navigate those issues? You know, time for prayers or, you know, accommodation and all these other kind of issues. So, but clearly there's been a legacy of colleagues who have often delayed and delayed and delayed those kind of issues and they just fester and it yes. leads to further challenges and, and people not feeling part of a team or part of the system. Um, so I think the earlier people look at setting up those foundation elements that preserve them personally and professionally, and they understand the system they're working in and begin to get to grips with the cultural nuances of their individual organizations. I think that puts them on a stronger footing moving forward. Um, so that's been really interesting, Najib, to talk to you today and have a conversation about some of the really quite important but quite often overlooked and missed elements as to how IMGs can make that integration process a little bit easier for them. So thank you very much for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. It's been really enjoyable having that conversation with you. So just to reflect and recap back on some of the themes that we've discussed for our IMG listeners today. We've talked a little bit about how important it is to utilise that first supervisor meeting you have and to feel comfortable enough to ask any questions. We also touched on how important peer support is and how useful it can be to link in with peers in general, but also those who might have already been working in the role that you've gone into. 
We also briefly touched on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a psychological concept of motivation, which is depicted as a pyramid, with our most basic needs being at the bottom of the pyramid. And in our case, that includes being aware of the more logistical things, such as familiarity with the hospital sites, canteens, public transport, if applicable. We've also referred to a um, video by the King's Fund and Good Medical Practice by the General Medical Council or the GMC, which we'll we will make links available for, which will certainly make for some useful further reading and watching. So all in all, some really interesting points covered today. And with that, we reach the end of today's podcast, easing the integration process for IMGs. For more information about the Medical Protection Society and the services on offer for IMG members, including our IMG advice line and our IMG communication skills virtual workshops, please look in the podcast description. If you're new to podcasts, maybe listening for the first time, make sure you subscribe to the channel to make listening in the future easier. You can access this podcast from all of the major apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify. I've been your host, Maida Raza. Practicing medicine can be wonderful, but also challenging. So please take good care of yourselves and see you next time.